All right. Good morning again. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord today? And you know, it really is to be with the people of God and to celebrate what He has done for us. That Revelation song is just one of my favorites. It's so powerful and it stirs our hearts to worship the one uh, who truly is worthy. Well, for our guests today, and just kind of a reminder for us, we've been on our journey for the last three weeks, and this is week number four, and we entitled this series Amazing Destinations. And we really learned a couple of things, and the big thing we learned is this. These destinations were not amazing because really of what they were, but what occurred there where, where it happened. Like, for instance, we went outside Jerusalem and to old Rocky Hill, and there we, we witnessed through Scripture the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and all that he went through and how he experienced the wrath of God. He, he experienced most, uh, well, what they call the death of deaths on a Roman cross. And then he cried out and said, it is finished. And it wasn't that it was 40% finished or 50% finished. It really was done. And we remember that Jesus paid it all. And because of him, we can have forgiveness of sins. So that's what we learned at Golgotha outside of Jerusalem. And then we went to the cemeteries. And once again, it wasn't for the fact that who was buried there or, or, or the price they paid. Rather, it's for who was not there and what had happened. And it was Jesus Christ. Because on the third day after he died, he got up again. It was amazing because the tomb was empty and remains empty today. It proves the fact, a lot of people died on crosses. But it proved the fact that he died as the son of God and he had victory over death. And that's really good news for us. Because it proves that as we die and trust Jesus Christ, so we too will have eternal life and will one day be resurrected. And then last week we went to a hard place, didn't we? Uh, we went to hell. And we, we went to, to a place where there's eternal torment and punishment. It's really hard. But it's reality. It's reality. And the good part is, because of, of, of Calvary and because of the empty tomb, hell does, hell does not have to be the location for any person. Um, in fact, James writes that, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created for mankind. But there's a problem. Because of sin, every person who dies... Without the forgiveness of sin, everyone who dies with the penalty of sin um, on their life will spend eternity separated from God in this place called hell. But Jesus made it possible that that does not have to be so. We learned during that sermon last week that heaven is not the default location. We think so in Western culture. But we learned that hell is the default destination. To go to hell, we need to do nothing. To go to heaven, we have to do something. And what we do is trust what Jesus Christ did on a Roman cross. And I told you today was pecan pie day. So after hell, aren't you glad there's a heaven? Amen? Aren't you glad there's a heaven? So we want to look today about heaven and the fact that later really is better. And weren't there some great questions? I almost wish we could show the video again. It's only a minute long because it asked some really good questions there. You know, how do I know that I'm getting there? Is it an iffy thing? Does everyone get to go? Um, many good questions. What's heaven like? Where is heaven? And those are some wonderful questions. I'm not sure we'll get to answer all of them today, but I really hope we can answer a big chunk of them. Now, how many of y'all remember, and matter of fact, you know, well, some of you remember and some of you can remember like present time. How many of y'all ever heard of Almond Joy Candy Bar? Anybody heard that? Yeah. Well, we're not going to show it this morning, but I went and looked at a 1961 commercial. And back, you know, during the, 
Almond Joy was around before the war. It cost a nickel. Hello. Those were, those were wild days. And, and Almond Joy had coconut and an almond covered with chocolate. And it still does. Incredible candy bar. It's really good. But after the war, prices went up so much, they no longer could sell it for a nickel. And they had a little slogan that said, the best, cookie bar, uh, best candy bar for a nickel. And they don't have it anymore. And so they had to come up with a new slogan. So they put the word out, and some guy was paid $10 for the slogan, and here's what the slogan says. Almond Joy is indescribably delicious. And that's what heaven is all about. Heaven is so good, it's indescribable. And that's what I want to hopefully just teach you today, how incredible heaven is. And maybe put a little different twist on heaven that you haven't really thought about. Now, what better place... What better place to go for a, for a sermon on heaven than not Revelation 21, but John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Would you take your Bibles and turn there, please? John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. An incredible scripture. You've heard it probably. I know I use it virtually at every funeral I do because it's such a wonderful, wonderful scripture. But it also teaches some great truths that we need today. And I tell you what, while you're turning, I'm going to pray. Because I really want to ask God to do some incredible work in our lives as Christ followers. But also, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and come to fellowship and relationship with Holy God, that today might be the day you do that. So let's pray. Father, thank you so very much again. Um, privileged to come back in prayer. Thank you that you don't put a, a, a limit on how many times we can pray in church. Or even how long or how short we need to pray. But Father, I'm asking something today. I'm going to ask that your word will come alive. For every person here who has made the decision to follow Christ, may we get a hold of and grasp the power and the hope of heaven. And for my friend who's listening on the radio or perhaps sitting in this room who doesn't have that hope, they know that they're separated from God even right now, that today might be the day that you call and you draw them into fellowship and relationship with you. Holy Spirit, this all only happens by you. It's not the words I will say. It's not in my presentation at all. It is simply all about you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do your sweet work in the lives of people today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. So John chapter 14 and verse number 1. I want to take a few minutes. I'm really going to try to watch the time today. Um, that's important to me. I want you, to, you say, why do you mention time so much? Because it's important to me. You honor me with your time, and I try to make the best use of that time because you trust it to the church every time you gather here together. That's why I make a big deal of that. So in verse number 1, it's just so loaded with truth that I want to be sure that we get as much as we can from it. Now, and by the way, if you're a note-taker, today would be a good day. If you're not a note-taker, today would be a good day to start. All right? I can say that because I'm preaching because I'm not a note-taker. And I'd look at you and say, take notes. Okay? Here we go. He says, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, let's pause there. Let's pause there. I've often used the general statement. You know, the, the boys, the gentlemen, the, the disciples, I don't mean any disrespect there. The apostles had, had left everything to follow Jesus. They were good Jewish boys. And they had been taught from the get-go that there was coming a time when Messiah would come. And each Jewish boy prayed that it would be in his lifetime that the Messiah came. And one day they met Jesus. And they came to the conclusion that he was the Messiah. So they sold their boats and they sold their nets. They quit doing whatever it was they were doing and decided to follow this Messiah. Now, 
They have been taught, they missed Isaiah 53 totally. You might want to write that scripture down because it gives a great picture of the suffering Messiah. But they have missed, they, they must have missed school that day when they taught Isaiah 53. Because in their brains, they were under Roman oppression. And so the Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Roman government. Um, Israel would be free again. And the new Messiah would be the king of Israel. And they would be the princes. And so it was a good deal to them. It made sense to them to sell everything they had and follow this guy. Because he was going to be the king. And they were going to gain from it. He was going to be the super rock star. And all the other guys were going to be rock stars. It was going to be great. They're going to be famous. They're going to be rich. They're going to be powerful. And then in the hours, not, not really maybe days leading up to this scripture, we're only, we're only like two days, three days from the cross. Okay, so it's fixing to go south real quick. But over the time leading up to this, Jesus had been sharing with them some things they need to know. For instance, he said to them, I'm leaving. Leaving? And in fact, Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He said that after a while. But Jesus begins saying, I'm leaving. And then he gives the ultimate bad news. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. So, so their heart is becoming troubled. The word troubled there in the uh, Greek means to be agitated. It means to be stirred up. Um, in Psalm 46 verse 10 where it says, be still. Um, it's God's way of saying, don't be agitated. Don't fight. Don't, don't be stirred up. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let your heart be stirred up. Well, their hearts getting stirred up because they had heard this. They, they had heard it. Now, wait a minute. You're leaving and you're going to die. And then and then and then they, they hear that that one of them, one of the 12, they've walked together for three years. One of them was going to be a traitor. One of them was going to actually go to to the opposing force and turn Jesus in. One of the group, one of the club, one of the 12. And, and then and then it goes beyond that. And says, but not only that. Peter, the, the rock, the, you know, the rock, Peter, Cephas, Peter, you're going to deny me? I mean, they were all listening. They knew this. And, and they're watching their world. Now watch. They're watching their world fall apart. And then Jesus shares something like this. Oh, and Satan's really mad at you. Satan is really angry at you. You're at war with Satan and you don't even know it. And the final thing that Jesus said in these hours leading up to John chapter 14, he says, and all of you are going to desert me. Whoa. Whoa. So you can imagine men who had sold everything with the pretext that he was going to be the king and they were going to be the princess and they're going to be rock stars and famous and powerful and have prestige. He starts telling this news. You get the setup? See, some of you followed Jesus one day. And you did so with the pretext that your life was going to be better, that your life was going to be good, your life was going to be perfect, and your life has been anything but perfect. And that might be because some preacher told you if you trust Jesus, he would fix everything. He ultimately does. And that's the topic of today's sermon. But it may not happen here. It may not happen here. So perhaps you're here today and your heart is troubled. And your heart is stirred up. You know, when your child moves to Georgia to a whole new world and, and you're going, my heart's kind of stirred up. Last night, James David was not having a good night. And you know, I'm one of those people, I don't know babies very well. And if a baby's crying, there's something really wrong. I don't understand that babies just cry sometimes to cry. 
And so I went up to my room, and I could hear him crying downstairs. And I'm going, what's wrong? What's wrong? What is something like really wrong? You know, and my heart was stirred up. And my heart was agitated. And Jesus says to us today, like he told the guys here, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart... Now listen, are you hearing me? What's going on in your world today? What's happening in your life today, Walker, that would cause you for your heart to be stirred up? Ladies, are there some people here today, or there's some ladies here today, who your marriage went south a long time ago, and you're stirred up about that? Guys, is there, is there some unmet, unmet expectation in your marriage with your wife, and your heart stirred up? How many parents here today are wrestling with parental issues, and their heart's stirred up? Well, Jesus' word to us, not just the twelve, but to us is, let not your heart be troubled. And, and here's what he says. He says, um, you, you believe in God, believe also in me. And again, they were Jewish boys, and they had been raised up to believe in Creator God. That was the big picture they had. But now he reminds them that just like they could trust this Creator God that they have worshipped, that he was Creator God in the flesh. And that just like they could trust Creator God to watch over them. And they'd heard the stories. They'd heard about the Red Sea. They'd heard about getting out of Egypt. They'd heard about manna. They'd heard about Jericho. They'd heard about King David. They heard all these stories. But that's what they were. They were stories. The God of the past. But now Jesus says, just like you trusted that God, I'm the same God. And I'm in, well, this is good. I'm in the here and I'm in the now. And that's where God wants to be in your life. He wants to be in your here and your now. He doesn't want to be the God of 12 years ago. He wants to be the God of now. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this is candy day. We've already mentioned, you remember the candy bar we mentioned? Almond joy. Indescribably delicious. Well, there's another candy and they still make this one too. I never could identify with this candy. And you'll understand why in just a moment. This candy is not ooey gooey. Okay? This candy is called, see if you remember, now and later. Remember that? Now and later. And here's the deal. I didn't identify that candy because it wasn't gooey enough. There's no chocolate involved with, with now and then. Or now and later. Okay? It was just like a little toffee thing. And you eat some. And why they called it now and later was, is it had a package about this big. And then it was individually wrapped. So you can eat some now and some later. Well, the reason I don't identify with this is because when it comes to me and candy, there never is a later. It's all now. See? And by the way, by the way, that's what's wrong with some people's Christianity too. They think all you get is now. Honey, the best part is coming later. And later is better. I promise you. Later is better. So, so what Jesus does is, in, 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 the, in John chapter 14, he gives us now and later. He's going to talk about later in just a moment. And actually in John chapter 14, verse number 22, just go down the page a little bit. He's going to give us some stuff for now. Do y'all need some stuff for now? Aren't you glad for heaven? But isn't it cool that God gave us something now? See, he's the original now and later. Here's what he said in John chapter 14 and verse number 22. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and, and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, okay, 
He will keep my word, okay, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's not heaven. What's really cool is Jesus says, now this is not that place I'm preparing for you. This is now. And as you follow my teachings, not to gain my favor, but as you follow my teachings, all right, and you understand what I teach and apply that to your life, my Father and I are going to make our home with you now. Bottom line is, God is with you. Say it with me, please. God is with you right now where you are. 21st century. No matter how crazy your world is, God didn't walk yesterday. God is with you right now. He goes on and says some more. He says, verse 24, He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father said me. That, I'll let you chew on that later. These things have I spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I've said. Wait, time out. This is cool. So, so Jesus says that, that the Father and he will make their home with us. And how does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit. This is kind of scary for Baptists to talk about the Holy Spirit. But you do understand he's part of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good, you got that. Okay, great. Okay, so when you become a Christ follower, when you become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And part of the things he does, he's a comforter. He helps us pray. He does lots of cool things. But one of the things he does is, is he brings to remembrance the things that we've been taught. So that when your world is falling apart, He whispers in your ear and says, don't forget God loves you. If you ever doubt the love of God, go to the anchor. Because this forever says God loves you. I don't care what your circumstances say. I don't care if you don't have a job. I don't care if you're not sure when the next meal is coming. I'm not, I don't care if your marriage is falling apart. I don't care if, if your kids are failing math again. This says forever God loves you. Go to the cross. Come on, y'all. That's big. That's big. We need, we need something sometimes we can anchor. And that cross is exactly that. And the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. Well, just listen. He's not a shouter. You know, I've noticed in my preaching, I have two speeds. Loud and louder. God is not a shouter. He's often a whisperer. And he whispers in our hearts, I love you. Go back to the cross. I am with you. I won't desert you. I care for you if we'll let him listen. And the Holy Spirit does that. And then verse 27. This is huge. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be, here it is, troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, my peace I'm going to give you. Now, my peace is not the world's peace. The world's peace says when things are going good, I'm peaceful. When things are going bad, I'm not peaceful. Jesus' world is fixing to get turned upside down. But he said, I have peace. You know why he had peace? His father was in control. Who's in control of your life? Satan's not. God is. God is. God is sovereign and God is watching over your life. Everything you go through, listen to me, everything you go through is father filtered. So heart, not troubled, you can have peace... Because your father's in control. See why that's so important? 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You've got the big picture. But it's better than that. You come to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he gives you something right now. But he also gives you later. And as good as this is, it's really cool when God steps up big in our lives. It's really cool when we need a miracle and God sends one. It's really cool when we need peace and God sends his peace. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. But then it's even better later. Because later is better and later is longer. And that's called heaven. Heaven. Now, here's what he says in verse number 2. In my father's house are many mansions. And this has been... We have built a doctrine out of this. Now, for whatever reason, the King James and New King James uses the word mansions. Now, the Greek... And again, you, you choose the Greek scholar... You go to the person you trust, whoever it is you trust, and they'll tell you that the Greek word here is simply dwelling places. I think probably perhaps in King James' time and later on carried over into the New King James, when we think about a really good place to live, it's a mansion. But the problem is, and there's nothing wrong with that, that's cool, a mansion is a dwelling place. But when we start building our doctrines off of that, that in our head, heaven becomes a huge subdivision... Of mansions. And then, if we're not careful, then we have big mansions and little mansions, and we gain God's favor and lose God's favor. So, depending on how much favor you got with God, is how big your mansion is. None of that's biblical. None of that's biblical. You know, we have a song that says, I have a mansion over the hilltop, all based on the translation dwelling places of mansions. Build my mansion next door to Jesus. And tell the angels I'm coming home. It does not matter uh, who lives beside me as long as my mansion sits near the throne. Great Southern Gospel song. All built on the translation mansion. Have you ever heard of a guy named Lenny Wolf? Lenny Wolf, anybody? Southern Gospel people? No one knows Lenny Wolf? Yeah, one, one, two, three. Yeah. He got it right. He understood. Heaven will... Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. What makes heaven heaven is not a mansion because there are no mansions. There are dwelling places with God. And Jesus and God will be what makes it heaven. This is better, I'm telling you. I know you say, well, no, no, no. I like the mansion idea. Because I'm from the South and I am. This preached really good in the South. Oh, baby, we go down to the plantation down there from 1865 and see those big pillars and stuff. That's it. But see, because we're limited here of our knowledge and the revelation of what all that means, heaven and mansion sounds better. But nothing trumps being with God. In fact, that's really what Jesus says here. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, You're, listen, there's a spot. Listen, come on now. There's a spot for you in heaven. There's a reservation for you in heaven. There's a place where you're going in a place called heaven. You've got a spot. You've got a reservation. Don't you love when you go to make reservations at a hotel and you go up to the desk? Yes, sir. Can I help you? And if you haven't made a reservation, and it's holiday weekend. We did this one time. And, and you get to the desk and they say, yeah, do you have any rooms tonight? No rooms. What do you mean no rooms? I mean no rooms. <laughs> it's like Jesus. No room in the end. Hey, baby, no room in the end. But when I make that phone call, 
And I call the hotel and say, hey, would you make me a reservation? I walk up to the desk and I say, do you have a reservation for Dwayne Taylor? And the clerk says, yes, sir, Mr. Taylor, welcome. Well, Jesus is saying, I've got a reservation for you in a place called heaven. And that's good news. And, and by the way, it's not, come on, yeah, it's non-cancelable. Yeah, it's guaranteed. You know how you get, what do you have to do when you make a reservation? You put a credit card down, right? Baby, my reservation is not guaranteed with no credit card. My reservation is guaranteed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing can change that. Woo! Listen, listen. I can't, I can't perform my way up from it. I can't behave myself away from it. Because nothing trumps the blood. The blood of Jesus guarantees my place in heaven. So, so Jesus says... In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm, I've got a place for you there. I've got a room there. And I always said this, you know, who would want to live in a big old mansion anyway? I mean, I, I get lonely sometimes when Pooter's gone with, with three bedrooms and two baths. Why in the world in heaven would you want a man, Annabelle mansion to ramble around in and, you know, call on the phone and say, Hey, Judy, you want to come over? Hey, Paul, you want to come over this afternoon? No. We live in the Father's house... And in that Father's house are many dwelling places. People, that's why y'all better get along because you may be next door roommates. <laughs> Just something to think about. Something to think about. Hey, he says this. If it were not so, I would have told you. So you know what? Now, is heaven a for sure deal? Yeah. Now, see, if it was a pipe dream, see, Jesus wasn't cruel enough to the guys to go, I'm really telling you something and it's not really true, but it sounds good. I got news for you. Heaven is a reality. We did not think it up to make ourselves feel better. We did not think it up so we can have a place where we say, well, our loved ones there who trust Jesus are there. Heaven is a reality. Because our Savior said, if it were not so, I would have told you. If you can't have a surety of heaven, I would tell you. If there's no room at the end for you, I would have told you. But, but listen, in my father's house are me dwelling places, and I got news for you. If it weren't so, I told you. He goes, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, now who's that? First off, get this: the preparation didn't start when he got back to heaven. See, you got that mentality of building a mansion. You would. When did it start? When did his preparation for making us a room in the end? Well, actually, before the foundation of the world. But for our purposes, it started on Christmas morning. When God became man. He lived a sinless life. He was willingly nailed to an old Roman cross. They put him in a tomb. And he resurrected on the third day, proving he's the son of God. And then he ascended back to the Father. That is the preparation. I am a preparing Savior. And I am preparing that place. And it didn't start when I got back to heaven. It started before the foundations of the world. But John said, Behold the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. He says, My preparation, that my preparation for this place began a long time ago. And I did it for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. It had nothing to do with my ability to go to church. It had nothing to do with my ability to be good. It, it had nothing to do with my ability to perform a set of behaviors. It had nothing to do with me keeping rules. It had to do 
with God's amazing grace. God's grace. Once again, we're reminded that heaven is about grace. If perfect people went to heaven, it would be empty because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If, if truly, in fact, all liars and all such, we're going to read, if we get there, in Revelation chapter 21, could not, you know, no one, those could not enter into heaven, then in fact, hell would be a very full place. And it is. But liars get to go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Adulterers get to go to heaven because of the, come on, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Gossipers get to go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Embezzlers get to go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And good moral people get to go to heaven because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's prepared the place, not us. Not us. Now, if all that's true, Dwayne, so what about heaven? What is heaven really like? Now, what's our default thought? Yeah, pretty good. Default thought. Revelation 21. Am I right? Streets of gold, those kind of things. Perhaps our best description, portrait of heaven, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is an incredible scripture that gives us a picture of heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. This is Paul writing. He does first in first person and then shifts to third person. Probably because of pride. To keep himself from being prideful. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And now he speaks in third person. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up, interestingly, the same word as rapture, caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul is saying 14 years ago from this writing, he was caught up to the third heaven. Now, most theologians will agree on this. That there's one, the first heaven is our atmosphere. The second heaven is the universe, the stars. And the third heaven is the heaven of heavens, and it is the dwelling place of God. We, hear, we have here a man, not because, again, by God's grace, he is allowed to take a look into what is heaven, where God dwells. Now, it's not as cool as streets of gold and stuff, but the bottom line is, Paul says, I went to a place called the third heaven, the heaven of heavens, the dwelling place of God, and it was so powerful. The Bible says, I heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He said, what I heard, and I would assume what I saw, I'm not even allowed, or can I repeat? Remember Almond Joy? Indescribably delicious. The dwelling place of God is so good, words can't describe it. It's not lawful on this earth, Paul says, to describe what I heard and assumedly what I saw. Is that pretty cool or what? 
indescribably delicious. You know, listen to this. John chapter 21. Don't even turn there. Listen to this. John is writing, This is the disciple whom testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Now, here's my point. If, in fact, the world could not contain the books that should have been written about the deeds that Jesus did in three years, how in the world do we think we can describe with mere mortal tongue the place where God dwells for eons and eons and eons and eons? The world, the universe, and beyond could never hold that. That's how wonderful it is. Wayne, I need something more. I'm going to give you something more. Well, we'll do that. But imagine heaven as being the best looking Christmas box you ever saw. And you shake it. And you rattle it. But you don't know what's in it until you open it on Christmas morning. We will not know the wonders of heaven until we get there. But hang on. Knowing God is pretty good. Come on now. Come on, y'all. That's what heaven is. It's not as satisfying. It's not as beautifully described as where we're fixing to go. But it's heaven. And heaven will be where God is. And Jesus will be, in the words of Lane Wolf, what makes it heaven for me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Now, we have in Revelation 21 the picture that I use at funerals. You've heard it preached over and over time about heaven. But, but it's very clearly, this is a part of heaven, but it's not the heaven where God dwells, ultimately. Let's read it. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. John says, Now I saw a new heaven, atmosphere, and a new earth, earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This is all at the end of time. And there was no more sea. You know, by the way, he said there's no more sea. Because there's no more sea. Then I, then I, John, saw, here it is. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So this new Jerusalem comes down from the dwelling place of God and hovers, apparently, above the earth. Alright, so that's what we're used to hearing at funerals. Not heaven, the new Jerusalem. Then he says this. I saw it prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Guess what makes the new Jerusalem so cool? It's not gates made out of a single pearl. It's not streets paved with a transparent gold. It's not a wall with 12 foundations. What makes the new Jerusalem so incredible is guess who's there? God is. Come on, y'all. God is. Have you figured out yet? Is God what makes eternity cool? It's not the promise of an Annabelle mansion on some avenue in heaven. It's not even transparent gold. God will make eternity, eternity. Be with him. Verse number four. And God, oh, come on now. And God will wipe away every tear 
from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Listen, heaven's going to be great. The new Jerusalem will be great. Heaven will be great because of what is there, but also what's not there. There'll be no more separation. There'll be no more times when daddies die too young. There won't be no more times when children die too young. There won't be no time when marriages are ripped apart. There won't be no time of war and suffering. All that will be gone. And that's heaven, guys. That's heaven. Don't set your hooks too deep in this world. Because this world is not heaven. Heaven is coming. Heaven is incredible. Heaven is where God is. And that is what makes it heaven. Now verses, verses number 9 through 21 are those wonderful descriptions of the new Jerusalem that we love so much. The gates and the streets and the foundations. All of that is so wonderful. But we must not ignore that last part of Revelation 21, 23 through 27. Listen to what it says. I saw no temple in it. No church in heaven. No church buildings in heaven. For the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Come on, y'all. The city has no need of the sun. There's no sun in heaven. Or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God illumines it. You don't have no no need for that, that fireball we call the sun. Because the glory of God will light it. That's pretty incredible to me. You can't stare at the sun. And yet because of the blood of Jesus, we'll finally be able to see God face to face. All right. And the nations, nations, you want to know why we go? Because there's nations that need to be represented in heaven. There's nations that got to be represented, represented in the New Jerusalem. And the nations... Of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all by day because there is no night. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means enter anything that files or cause an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there it is. And there it is. Heaven is the awesome, incredible presence of God. The new Jerusalem is the awesome, incredible presence of God. But don't discount the presence of God just because of the new Jerusalem. It's like it's almost like God said, now I, need for, I need something they can put their hooks into. Let's tell them about the new Jerusalem. Let's talk about the streets of gold. Let's talk about the gates with 12 foundations. Let's talk about all of those things. But what makes heaven, heaven, is God. Is God. And the one way, the one way is right there. But there shall be, there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. And some of y'all are going, well, I guess I'm out. No. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only folks that are going to be in heaven are the folks who have experienced God's grace. And I don't know why you can say amen there. I mean, did I say it clearly? The people in heaven have experienced God's grace. That's it. 
None of the other giant scale phenomenons. None of the other teachings. That's why Muslims won't be there unless they're converted. They won't be Muslims anymore. That's why Baptists won't be there unless they're converted. That's why Presbyterians... Come on now. That's why Presbyterians won't be there unless they're converted. Some of y'all saying, I know them Presbyterians wouldn't be there. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? And see, that goes back now and we'll wind this puppy up. You know, that's what Thomas said. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. The video asked the question, who goes to heaven? Forgiven people. Forgiven people. Forgiven people. Those who experience God's amazing grace. I remember a story a long time ago where a little boy walked up to a preacher one time and said, Preacher, is heaven going to be like church? And the preacher said, No, son, it's far better than that. The little boy said, I'm glad because I wouldn't want to go if it was. We compare eternity sometimes to church. This is not even a morsel of chocolate in the scale. Come on now. You cannot imagine how good heaven is because God is. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here's your take home. God will be what makes heaven heaven. In, in the meantime, he's given us his peace. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's promised to make his home with us. In the meantime, until heaven, he gives you peace and the assurance that he is with you. Take that home today. And later, it's better. Because after our deaths, our demise, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And we can spend all eternity in the presence of God. How cool is that? For my friends here, who might not know Jesus Christ as Savior, and I know that's church terms, I'm very aware of that. But you know this, in your heart you go, yeah, you know what? If there, if there was a giant scale, I don't think so. If it was one, don't think I'd cut it. The good news is you don't have to cut it. Because there's no giant scale. Jesus paid it all. Jesus died. And he doesn't care if you're... I say this every week, but I really believe it's true. Rich, poor, black, white, green, yellow. doesn't matter. If you've got a, if you've got a, if you've got a charge sheet down at the local jail down here this long, God's grace is sufficient. If you're one of those people that are really moral and good, God's grace is sufficient. And I'll have the privilege to stand down front here in just a moment. And we have what we call our decision time. Now, our decision time is to give you the opportunity, frankly, to choose between where you're, where you're going to spend eternity, in heaven or hell. If you're here without Jesus Christ, remember, it's the default location. Just walk out the door and keep doing exactly what you're doing. And one day, you'll wake up in a place called hell. But God loves you enough... He made it possible to change that default destination by a Roman cross and the death that occurred there.
and the power of the resurrection and His grace. And I want to tell you how you can go to heaven. That's what I'd like to do today. Let's bow our heads, please, in prayer. Well, Father, I sure thank you for the privilege of sharing your word today. And I know we have a hard time because we are so limited. If the, if the world couldn't contain the books about Jesus in three years, this thing's just above us. It's beyond us. We really can't understand how precious and sweet your presence is. But one day, by your grace, if we trust Jesus, we will experience that. Thank you, Father, for the promise. That's all this is, our promises. Thank you for the promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That our heart does not have to be troubled here because you've given peace and you've given the Holy Spirit the great comforter. Thank you for all of that. But thank you for what lies beyond the last heartbeat for the believer. And that is your presence. It is heaven. Also, Father, and perhaps most importantly, for my friend here, who has never trusted Jesus, who today they begin to understand, they feel something pulling at their heart, and I believe that's you pulling on their heart, pulling on their life, calling them to a different destination, a different life. Give them the courage to this day to choose Jesus. I know they don't understand it all, God, but by your grace and through your word, they will gain that understanding as they trust you. So this is your invitation time, God. Do with us as you see fit. Now I pray in your precious name. Amen.